Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's Resistance, The Relic Raiders, which aired today on November 17th, and it was directed by Brad Rao, and it was written by Brandon Alman. And this was a really fun episode. It's crazy now that we've had... In the past week, <laughs> we've had an episode of Resistance, two episodes of The Mandalorian, and now we're full circle with another episode of Resistance. And my brain is Star Wars mush at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Same. When I was watching it this morning, I was like, my brain honestly can't handle this. Like, this episode is really cool, and there's a lot <laughs> going on and a lot to unpack. But, oh boy, this past week has been a lot of unpacking Star Wars. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> So it, it's a good thing that this episode was not the uh, hunt on Selzer 3 episode and was actually more in our wheelhouse for Star Wars things, or yes. I don't know if we would have talked about it at all. <laughs> we would have been like, yes, this episode happened. Yes, it was not our favorite. Yes, it had some good things, but okay, thank you. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this episode came out on Life Day, though. So happy Life Day, if Yay. you're listening right now on life day so if, you, happy if you're day. listening and you celebrate happy life day <laughs> every star wars fan celebrates life day right mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe some don't i mean if you watched all the star wars content that came out this past week i think you celebrated life day true <laughs> true but we have yet to actually watch the holiday special for the show i've seen it you have yeah, I watched it with a whole group of fans last year. It was the best. It was so fun. Oh, on yeah. Rabbit. And I couldn't because I had to yeah. work. Yeah, it was so fun. I'm <sighs> R.I.P. Rabbit, but it was like the best. And I really enjoyed I that night. I forgot that you did that too. I had to work. Yeah. Wow. I, I recommend it. I mean, I think it's a really funny watch, especially the now that we have the Mandalorian, the Boba Fett cartoon is honestly the best part of that whole special. And, um, even just now with the mention of the mythosaur, like the mythosaur is in the cartoon. Like it's really cool and it's super stylized, but the holiday special is like a beautiful mess. <laughs> so. Our friend uh, Amy, I remember sent me a card last day for Life Day and it had it had the woman character, uh, uh, Bette Midler on it. <laughs> Yes. This is really good. So thank you, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. I, but regardless, happy Life Day. Hope you listen to Carrie Fisher belt out the tune. Today we celebrate. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy Life Day. So I think we're just going to go ahead and jump right in because like we said, our brains are Star Wars mush, but there was a lot of good things going on in this episode this week. So I am excited to talk about it. It was it was so strange flipping from one TV show to the next with Star Wars. It, it's This is the first, actually. So it was it was kind of cool um, and kind of furthered the mush of my Star Wars brain right now. But if this is your first time listening, we divide our Resistance recaps into three parts. And part one, we go over our highs and lows for the episode. And part two, it's the story. And then in part three, we talk about the characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay, welcome to part one where we're talking all about our highs and lows. And I think you went first last week. Yeah. So 
I'm going to go first this time. And one of my first highs, I thought this episode was really funny. Um, Kaz, like he usually does, stood out a lot to me in this episode. And I loved one sequence in particular I loved is when he is down in the cavern of the Sith Temple with the new character, Mika Gray. And she's just kind of monologuing. And you see him in the back kind of pretend to move. And then if she looks back at him, he like goes back into standing still a statue and then she looks away and he moves again (laughs) and I just thought it was really funny watching him uh, move but not move and have Mika continually yell at him (laughs) right right and when he asks he goes you know he's been down there for a couple minutes and then he goes you know um so like uh how long have you been you know trapped down here (laughs) (laughs) and he's trying to be so nonchalant but it it was really funny i had a good time yeah same it was good so my first high is i can't believe it but the force has been introduced in resistance yay and everyone who knows us knows that it's no secret we love the force stuff we love everything weird force especially when it comes to animation it just like totally thrives in this format and I am surprised that we've gotten here (laughs) honestly and it felt really good and really exciting and even though our brains are Star Wars mush it really like set the neurons firing (laughs) I'm like what does it all mean our notes are filled with like caps locks so (laughs) (laughs) I yeah I mean we speculated way back in season one that there might not be any force users on or like force discussion in this show and that that might be something that they are doing but it's good to see that in literally any medium it seems like there's always going to be some force stuff going on rogue one that was true resistance that's been true the mandalorian that's been true as well right so i feel like we should just assume that there's going to be weird force stuff in yes absolutely whatever star wars that we do get but it was good i really liked that we got um the kids from tehar back uh Isla and Kel. Uh, it was, I didn't expect them to be in this episode, but it was perfect that they were. They should have been, given that they, or at least Isla, is a Force user. So it was good to see them back. I like how they basically uh, corrosed Kaz into letting them come aboard. So my second high was the very last shot when Kaz is listening to Isla and Mika talk about the Force. And uh, Mika says, you know, I'm not a Sith or a Jedi. Uh, I don't use the Force that way, but we all have the Force in us. We just find it in different places and in different ways. And I I don't know. I just I really liked that Kaz was listening to that conversation and and seemed like he was really taking it in and taking it seriously. It was nice. Um, Kaz did a lot of like comedy in this episode. So seeing him really kind of internalize what Mika was saying and the things that he had seen in this episode it just made me wonder where this kind of self-reflection that it seemed like he was doing at the end is going to take him in the next episodes and throughout the rest of the series. I totally agree. I think it's it was super interesting because that line at the end really did remind me of what Luke says to Rey in The Last Jedi. I think it's supposed to purposely kind of call back to, you know, the Force doesn't belong to anyone. That whole spiel on Octo. But I really liked it. I think that it's a really, like you hit the nail on the head, I think, for in terms of a character moment. I think that it really is a moment that we see Kaz, I don't know, processing it because we start the episode, obviously, with him 
not really learning that, uh, not believing that the force is something that he should believe in, which I thought was an interesting uh, addition. That is my second high that I like that, that we got that comment because we do hear Kaz say, may the force be with you in the first few episodes. I believe we do because that's what the resistance says. You're right that it was a really good moment to listen to, I don't know, to lean in to hear what what Kaz is really thinking about that. And also to think about what uh, Kel and what's her name? Is it Elia? Elia? Ayla? Elia? Ayla? Ella? Yeah. I, I don't know why that name is like hard for me to process. Like I always think of Ayla Secura, but like it's different. <laughs> you know, <laughs> regardless, it was good to hear that being said to her, which I think that we've we've talked about how she's probably force sensitive. She has a lot of connections, like a, a lot of like touch sensitivity towards uh, objects. We saw that in in the first season. She's super interesting as a character. And um, I like to see that. And I totally agree with you. It was a good character moment for Kaz also. Yeah, it definitely was. My low for the episode was that we're still getting supplies and I'm tired of getting supplies. (laughs) (laughs) And we now we're going on, what, three, four episodes without Tam? It's crazy. I like feel the clock ticking down in the back of my head and that stresses me out. And yeah, I mean, thank God there was not a creature in this episode. <laughs> really, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, you and I were talking about how between Resistance and The Mandalorian, we were like on creature overload. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was really glad that there wasn't a creature in this episode. However, I was frustrated that it is this – it's like we're still – they've been you know with resistance we've been talking about the the plot of the episode the small scale plot of getting supplies but then how these episodes are supposed to also be contributing to the larger plot of where the colossus is going is it towards the resistance is it towards something else and the past two or three episodes i think last week's episode did a bit better of a job of focusing on that big plot but the majority of the episodes this season have been really focused on the small plot of what, like, we need supplies, we need food, we need fuel, whatever else they're getting here on this planet, too. And uh, it just, you know, it starts with Doza giving them a mission in the beginning, and then they do the mission, and then they get supplies, and then that's the end of the episode. And we've been doing that now for, you know, over a quarter of the season. And we haven't been getting any information about, okay, like not even in the beginning of these episodes has Doza or Yeager been like, okay, once we get these four things, then we'll be able to contact the resistance. Then we'll be able to go to this place. We'll be able to do this thing. There hasn't been any talk about that of kind of reminding the audience that the Colossus is just free floating out in space right now. And they they don't have a plan. And if they do, it's not something that's been told to the audience or to the other characters. We've just been focusing on getting supplies. And I am kind of over that. And I would be more for it if we were getting some of that other information about what they're intending to do once they have all the necessary supplies. But we haven't. So that's, that's, I'm starting to get like a little bit more frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. I kind of rolled my eyes when they gave 
Kaz and uh, Tora and Freya this mission, I was like, of course it's a supplies mission. And because I knew this episode was going to deal with that Sith temple, like we've, I saw the images beforehand and everything, I was like, okay, it'll all be worth it. <laughs> it'll be good. <laughs> but I definitely did roll my eyes at that. So that my my low is that as well. But also... I hate to say it, but Kaz's goofiness kind of grated on me a little bit in this episode. I was like, just don't. religious. I know, but it was like, (laughs) just don't step on the thing. Just like be a little bit more mindful, please. Just please. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I mean, I think that that's expected and that's something that we love about Kaz's character. And like, he's so funny and and great. But I I was like, oh, my God, it's like a bull in a china shop type situation. He is, but he's just always going to be that way. <laughs> I know, I know. So I need to like get over it. And be- that for that reason, this your low is my low as well. But I just had to mention it because it did kind of grate on me. That's fair. Your lows are allowed to be your low. Right, right. Yeah. So I really hope we're doing something else next week. And again, the question I've been asking for the last couple of weeks has been like, what is Doza doing? Because we're only seeing him in the bridge or in his office. Did you see his tree? I did see his tree. And I just have to say like that there there was like a almost like a silent moment between Yeager and Doza where they both like kind of didn't really trust the people going down. I know. And I'm like, this is not their first radio. You've literally been sending them out three times. I was surprised by that. I was like, what am I supposed to make of this? Interesting. Yeah. It was it was strange. I was like, this feels like a moment that was pulled from episode two or three, not episode <laughs> six. When again, this is the third, fourth time that we've sent specifically Kaz and Dora on a supplies run. Right. It'll make sense later. That's just what I'm telling myself. It'll make sense later. It'll all come together in the end. I, I hope so. I mean, if there are these things that I'm just missing from the episodes of them talking about. Because, again, like, we still don't know where we are in the timeline. Right. You know? Um, how much time has passed exactly? It's probably safe to say Last Jedi has come and gone <laughs> like I the wind. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I, yeah. I mean, it could it could not have passed. It just – they have been doing a lot. And it's crazy to think that they did everything on Selzor 3, went and got fuel with Flix and Orca, and then did this supply run all within two days. True. I mean, they could be really busy. I don't know. Star Wars can do whatever it wants. If they come I mean, back they next episode and tell me that we're still in the Last Jedi time period or the Last Jedi just ended, I will believe it. True, true. Because I think, I think what, it's probably like four days that have passed in The Last Jedi? I think it's a little bit longer than that. I think everyone's like, like, like oh, like it blinked. Week. I think it's more like a week. Yeah. So, I guess, but we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> okay, are you ready to move on to part two? Yes. Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always. So welcome to part two. We're going to be talking all about the story, and we always lead with this question. So what's the state of the Resistance slash the Colossus slash the First Order? 
It's been the same for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> Resistance, we don't know. Colossus supply run. <laughs> the only thing that's really changed, it's not even a status update with the first order. It's just that we got a little bit more information that they are that there are relic hunters, relic raiders out there uh, actively going to different ancient temple sites that maybe they're not just looking for ancient Jedi and Sith temples. But for other things, too, um, we saw this happen in Rebels as well, that Palpatine was conducting basically archaeological digs at Jedi temples. So uh, this is something we've seen before. It is kind of I don't I don't even want to say it's necessarily new information about the First Order because maybe it's popped up in other pieces of canon that you and I haven't read yet or seen. But it is the first time that we're seeing it in Resistance and the first time that I can remember anyway. So that's the state of the First Order. It's not really, like I said, even a status update. It's just new info about them. I was shook by the Relic Troopers. They I was like, so cool. they look super cool. They look similar to um, the, oh, what are they called? Death Troopers in, is that what they're called in Rogue One? I don't know. But mm-hmm. the, with the with the like gnarly voice situation, um, I think that the, the learning that the First Order concrete in canon right now in this time period unsure what the time period really is who's the supreme leader that was my major question here mm-hmm. um and that i didn't even think about because i wrote in the notes i was like why does kylo want the i'm so confused why kylo wants these but you were like oh it could be snoke because we could be in the last jedi time period and i think that's a good question like they didn't they didn't define it and i wouldn't be surprised if it was either of them i just I have so many questions over why Kylo would want these relics and what does that mean for the Rise of Skywalker? Are we collecting all these artifacts? Oh my God, we're really going full Indiana Jones here. But (laughs) it's, I mean, even by the name, come on, Relic Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the the fact that the relic like could kill, you know, when it was exposed. I mean, that's, that's the Lost Ark. And I think that and even the, the like the pyramid structure of what the relic looked like inside of it on the top, it looked like the idol from the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, did. it was it's super on on like hit the nail on the head in terms of references. But I do think that once you introduce the force to all of this, it gets really super interesting. Are we walking the line of like Harry Potter type uh horcrux situation because it kind of feels like it in some situations why else would they want them i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is the this is something that the sequel trilogy or that the disney era has really uh hammered down in a lot of different uh mediums across star wars is artifact collection and who's collecting and for what purposes we saw it in rebels we saw it in dr afra we've seen it now we have force collector which is coming out is out um we also have what we're seeing here in resistance we have uh dryden boss in solo which is before this timeline like way before where we are now in the timeline so this is something that is happening i mean like there's obviously a black market for antiquities going around for relics um but you know forced ones are probably top of the list and i wonder 
how obscured they are. And I wonder, it makes me wonder, like my anthropology, archaeology brain is like, how do they know where all these temples are? Because like, in in today's world, archaeological sites are not publicized in places. Like you have to have certain clearance levels. To, like a lot of historic sites you can access on like government websites and stuff like that. They'll tell you where they are. But archaeological sites, they don't. You have to have a certain level of clearance to find out exactly where archaeological sites are um, for obvious reasons. And it makes me wonder like if the Jedi kept, kept or didn't keep records or hid records of where – their different temples were and i'm reminded i can't remember where it is in canon but oh i think it is in that rebels episode where the the guy who's talking to sabine i can't think of his name the creepy guy Mm -hmm. um who has her explain the art piece to him he's like we collected like we know about this from the jedi archives on coruscant at the temple on coruscant and so how much was kept there and is and like it makes it sound like palpatine raided those archives and is therefore using that information and so does he know where all these temples are now and is slowly and was sending people out to find what was still there. Cause it, it seemed like the Raiders, the relic Raiders knew what that thing was. Like they knew that it would be there because as soon as they saw her throw it, Mika, they were like, Oh, deactivate it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it makes it seem like, I don't know. I'm like, is there a list <laughs> somewhere <laughs> that says this relic at this temple? <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm very interested in how they have this information, how they know what's there, because Mika also knows what it does, too. So there's and maybe it's just intuitive as well that all Sith artifacts like this will destroy whoever they come in contact with. Maybe that's just like general knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I just, I think it's the whole thing is just kind of mind blowing. And I think just to kind of jump ahead a little bit, I did write down what Mika said about the Sith temple, which I thought was really fascinating. She was, we're in an ancient Sith temple. Sometimes you find them buried beneath Jedi temples. It's a purification of suppression. But ultimately, you'll find these things always rise to the surface. And then she says, I raised the Sith temple to break in order to break inside. And this just, I feel like we've heard this before, but I don't know. It just kind of blew my mind that there was this whole Sith temple underneath the Jedi temple. And it reminded me of what we learned in my favorite audio drama ever, Dooku Jedi Lost. (laughs) And when we did a review of that on our Patreon, I was like, does no one care that there is an entire like archive of Sith artifacts and knowledge in the basement of the Jedi temple? And this is on Coruscant. And this is the exact same thing. So now it just makes perfect sense that that's where the Jedi on Coruscant put all that Sith stuff because there are places like this where there's an entire temple underneath them. Yeah, and the fact that she raised it up also, I was like, whoa, you go, girl, like raising it up. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so with you. I think that it really does raise a ton of questions. And I think that I am also wondering where the Knights of Ren even come into this. I feel like I always bring up the Knights of Ren because they really are like this huge question mark, but... I was under the impression that they were like part of this fanatical group that ma- was made reference to in the Aftermath books, which again, we have not read, but I feel like I know enough about the books at this point that because everyone tells us about this one specific thing about how there's like fanatics who collect the artifacts or even in Bloodline, Caitlin, with um, Ransom Caster foes, mm-hmm. like kind of 
group that he was a part of with the collecting of the artifacts. It, it is definitely known. Yeah. I think that yeah. you, you're onto something about like, I think it is known that there's like some sort of list, like almost like art hunter, almost mm-hmm. um, a list that goes around about these sort of enchanted objects. Um, which is also like it, it is kind of fairy tale esque when you put it in the term of like enchanted objects. It feels sort of Beauty and the Beast almost about having these things that are sort of possessed by some sort of curse and I feel like the Sith kind of represent that in this sort of like symbolic way but regardless I do think that it is fascinating the idea that the Jedi would build something on top of the Sith temple in a like a as purification and the idea that even within the earth like the physical earth that these two temples like if the jedi temple in coruscant does sit on top of a sith temple that like these two temples could exist in the same space almost i don't know if like do i think that that's how it should have been do i think that that's problematic for the ideas of the jedi do i think that by just building on top of the Jedi and like kind of suppressing it to the bottom? Are you hiding all of the history? I think that the metaphor there is kind of muddled and muddled in a good way because I think that it can go in many different directions where I think that you can think of the Jedi temple being built on top of or like temples and cities being built on top of Sith temples as a way to like grow from whatever evil lies beneath. But I also think that it's a way of hiding the history of whatever was there because at the end of the day, temples are like a shrine to, I don't know, uh, you know, a god or like something from the past and in a remembrance almost. And by building on top of it, are you forgetting? And I think that it's just um, it's just an interesting way to think about the philosophy of the Jedi in the past and whether you think that the Jedi in the past were you know, noble and good, or is this one of the many problems that they carry with them by just building on top and not acknowledging? I, I don't know. It really, this this episode, like, really did bring a lot of interesting, like, my, like, I, like we said in the beginning, my brain is like, whoa, Star Wars right now. And it's because I, I feel like things like this really kind of reshape the way that you and I both think about like I don't know, especially you with your art history degree and your preservation degree. I feel like it a lot comes up. And honestly, Caitlin, with the I, I was surprised that they use the word they use the term hieroglyphics as I know, well. I was like, Haha. yeah, Caitlin loves Egyptology. If you're not aware, like that was like honestly her original OG obsession <laughs> before Star Wars. And and I think that by using the term hieroglyphics, what I think about whenever I hear hieroglyphics is that like they're almost they're virtually indistinguishable without like the code Mm. and I think that that's kind of what they're going at with the Sith language and I know that there's like so many people online who've tried to kind of decipher what the Sith language is and uh, because this isn't the first time that we've seen this sort of hieroglyphic-esque I think we saw it also in Vader Immortal Mm-hmm. And it was, I think that, I think that was the first introduction of this new language, um, not like a Arabrash or anything like that. Um, and it does bring about something ancient and even, I, I feel like I'm monologuing at this point, but there's just so much to cover about this temple. But even the idea that you have to, in order to um, make something happen within the temple, two people have to hold the symbol 
I mean, wasn't that like kind of mind blowing too? That like you need two in order to change. Well, that's uh, that's exactly what we saw in Malachor in Rebels. Yeah, and Maul, it, and just saying, ex- but like pairs, you need two. Things can happen two. by yourself so, for good yeah, or and- evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating to just continue to witness this happen again and again and again. It's not one person who can carry out something. Or you, if you're one person trying to like stop the evil, you're going to get stuck in the pit like Mika yeah. Gray did. You need you need other people to help you. Mm-hmm. Specifically two people to press the buttons two. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's a brother and sister. Okay, like that's right. a form of balance too. Yeah, the thing that keeps tripping me up is um the the what Mika said when she said it's a purification of suppression. I think actually it's a I think what she actually says is quote it's a purification by suppression, which is so interesting and I didn't think about this for too long, so I am probably missing some very obvious examples of this, but like cult, like there's like cultural assimilation, right? When like countries take over other countries and they kind of force the subjugated country to become like them. And I guess that like that is a form of suppression um, and assimilation, forced assimilation. And it's kind of crazy putting the Jedi into that uh, like realm when obviously like the Sith are bad, but it just like again, it reminded me of that Dooku Jedi lost mantra that we've brought up like literally a million times since we heard of it. <laughs> of you have to acknowledge, but it's like walk in the light, acknowledge the dark, and go forward with balance or something. So on the nose. Um, whereas this one, it's not only suppression; like it's a it's a cultural suppression because the Sith have like they're a religion too, um, but obviously they're a religion that should be suppressed but it's a physical suppression too and that is just speaks volumes to what the jedi are actually doing to themselves they are suppressing attachment suppressing feelings and suppressing the darkness within themselves while they're actively suppressing the sith temple literally beneath them and it is not good (laughs) it's not what they (laughs) should be doing um should they even be building on top of these sith temples i don't know i think that's a really fascinating discussion as far as like monuments and architecture go um yeah i don't know but i think the 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 term purification by suppression I'm, I like pause. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, those seem like very big words for a show like Resistance, you know, like very heavy terms. Like her whole little monologue there, Mika's, was very heavy, I thought. And um, that stood out to me the most, purification by suppression. And um, were they were they really purified? Like were the Jedi really purified of the Sith? Sure, for a time, perhaps um and who knows what the deal was like i don't know is there like is there a whole sith temple underneath the jedi temple on coruscant was there one underneath lethal um in rebels underneath that temple were these just isolated situations and what's further interesting about that too is when you think about malachor in rebels when we get to malachor they have to go below the ground do you remember? And yes. there's like that great scene where you see the light like piercing through, but there's like this mm-hmm. whole city that's been Pompeyed basically underneath the ground. So was it something like that too? But the Jedi Temple on top was destroyed at some point in history, but now the Sith Temple is all that remains because it was physically moved beneath the Jedi Temple underground. 
I don't know. And then like the Lothal Temple, doesn't that one like spiral up out of the earth? Yes. And then spiral yes. back down or, or completely disappear? I don't know. And it's, just, it's so interesting. <laughs> and like my head just reels <laughs> from it all. Um, I love when we get these moments where we're finding out more about just this uh, – about just how vast – the the galaxy is but how uh pervasive the sith and the jedi were at some point in time and how far back this history really does go and we discuss and i often bring it up the most about like how people know what they know in star wars and also how quickly they forget um because you know like han talks about like oh the ancient religions of the force and things like that it's not ancient it was literally 30 years ago in the timeline and um i think like we can look to historic examples like the nazis and how they can quickly change history just by the way that they teach children and school and the type of propaganda that they put out. And so I think that Palpatine is obviously doing a lot of that in the timeline. But that being said, to have that kind of massive effect across the entire galaxy where everyone is like, oh, the Jedi, I thought they were just a myth. Um, it's kind of crazy when you think of that. But maybe maybe what some of them are referring to is this time when you had Jedi temples everywhere when you had sith temples everywhere like this ancient time that we're seeing play out in things like malachor and um even on mustafar in in a in a different way but like that kind of ancient civilization that really is ancient and that the jedi that we know in coruscant are much different than the jedi of of past i don't know um because we don't it's not like we see we don't have any evidence or, or stories yet from the second trilogy time of Jedi operating out of these other temples besides the one on Coruscant. And that's what I'm like really fascinated in. <laughs> um, yeah. So why are there, why don't we hear about Jedi on this planet or Jedi on Lothal in the prequel trilogy timeline? What's, what's mm-hmm. up with that? Where did they go? <laughs> It's, I mean, even in um, Rogue One on Jeddah, yeah. I think that, like, that that is the part of, like, the temple of, like, Kyber and protecting there. I'm like, it, is that even on top of a Sith temple? Like, what is happening here? Because the implications of everything that is kind of brought up in this episode, I am really surprised by just as we are kind of, you know, spiraling down to talking about it. Because it's just like, are we not? Like, we're like, oh, my God, the international implications. <laughs> we're spiral. We're very much spiraling. I just like I had to I, had, I think we should take a step back and think about, yes, all these things that are being brought up. I think that we're going to continuously get them brought up in basically every piece of Star Wars canon that we're going to get. Like, I don't think this is going to stop here. We're never really going to know the full answers, but we will get some sort of clarification, especially on the relic aspect. I definitely think we're going to get some clarification on that in The Rise of Skywalker. I think this directly ties into it. But I have to wonder, what does this episode really have to do with our characters in Resistance? And specifically, what does it have to do with the story of like where we're going and what are our characters 
character is going to learn because now we have Mika Gray part of the group. Also, have to take a pause. Can't believe her name is actually Mika Gray <laughs> when she does it. Oh, I texted her, Caitlin this morning. I was like, are you kidding me? Her name is Mika Gray. <laughs> like her last name is Gray. I can't because she doesn't like to embody. She's not a force user. She doesn't like to embody uh, the light side or the dark side. She's just kind of preserving the light, I suppose, is like what she's really going for and is keeping things out of um, the bad people's hands. Right. And so she is gray. Like, wow, fascinating. Then also, what does this have to do with what's going to happen soon? I mean, in the trailer, we saw Kylo Ren. That's why my brain was like, why does Kylo want these relics? And like, are we going to even find out a little bit about that? I have to think that before the Rise of Skywalker, we're going to see Kylo maybe on the midseason finale right before the Rise of Skywalker. And we're going to get a little bit of clarification about that. And I... I don't know. Like I'm I'm wondering if now does this stop totally alter the course of what the Colossus is, go- is going to do later? Ooh. I don't know. That's a really good point because you're right. Like we we're sitting here spiraling about, you know, the different examples of Jedi and Sith and temples and artifacts and all throughout different canon, but we're not talking about Kaz and resistance. Yeah. resistance because it is kind of like it's kind of like they're observing this thing happening that none of them really have any exposure to whatsoever and it's totally alien to them and it is so what is that going to mean and and like that moment we talked about at the top of the show with Kaz listening to Mika and Isla talk about the force you're right it's like where does that where does that take us? And because Isla, we're pretty certain, is Force-sensitive and is able to utilize the Force, um, what things is Mika going to show her, is going to teach her? Is Mika going to be the person that's sending us on our – is the one that's giving us the direction on this next thing? Is Mika at all with the Resistance herself and she just hasn't said anything yet? Um, <laughs> reminded me. Of when they're in the temple and Mika is is before Kaz falls through and he's been stunned by that thing, right? And he's kind of like drunk is how he's animated. And Mika from below is like, are you a spy? And Kaz is like, no. Yes. (laughs) That was good. That was really funny. It was like, well, yes. (laughs) And it's like, that's a mood because like, who's the first order spy? Who's the resistance (laughs) spy? Like, remember that question that we used to have? (laughs) It was was so funny because he was like, no. Yes. (laughs) So I wonder if maybe <laughs> if maybe Mika actually has ties to the resistance. Like has Leia sent her on these missions to go and get rid of these artifacts uh, before the first order gets them? I think Mika is a really fascinating character because she well, now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um we'll talk about her in the next part, but I will say that one of the things I I liked about this episode on the small scale was I liked how we had a a huge role reversal (laughs) in this episode where we started off with Kaz kind of trying to babysit Isla and Kel and he kept telling them not to move, not to move, not to move, and they kept moving and he kept getting into more and more trouble. And then he becomes the one who's being babysat by Mika also being told not to move (laughs) and he keeps moving. I just – I really enjoyed kind of that – that trajectory through the episode i thought it worked really well i thought it was funny too and then at the end when they're trying to make the plan and he's like all right kel and isla you're gonna go do this and mika you're gonna 
Mika? And she's like, God. <laughs> He's like, okay, we're on our own now. Um, I, I thought that was really funny as far as like the actual story goes within the episode. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I think that there's definitely story implications for them stopping on this planet. If it means nothing and it comes up never again, I think it, it will make me bitter about this episode, to be honest. Because this episode, in all of our conversations in the past, you know, this is our second season of talking about resistance, about talking about how animated series should not be footnotes in the larger story, this would feel like a footnote. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Especially if the artifact collection is a piece of what Kylo is doing or what Snoke was doing that Kylo has taken over in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, So I, I hope that this does propel them somewhere and it's not just this kind of thing to introduce us even more to the idea of artifact collection that we'll see in the rise of skywalker right there's so much here in the temple i i thought i before we move on to characters i thought they were on batu for a second because it looks like the town looks just like galaxy's edge even with with like the writing it seemed like they were pulling from um concept art and all these things and it made me think I'm like why aren't they just on Batu? like <laughs> they could have just had it on Batu. but then I was like well then there's implications that <laughs> underneath in Galaxy's Edge there's a system that Disney has been building wanna, yeah yeah I don't think I don't think Disney wants to deal with that just yet so I was like okay I get it but that's really funny <laughs> can you imagine if one day you can go to Galaxy's Edge and at like four o'clock on the dot the Sith Temple will rise from the ground okay Okay, I would book a trip immediately if that was something that would <laughs> is like, like an experiential a thing. parade, <laughs> or it only comes so out. Cool. It only comes out like Halloween time or something. Okay, come on, that would be amazing. Yeah, like the haunted <laughs> temple you got to walk through, and you could see yes. like the zombie sisters of Dathomir would be in there, as well as the brain invaders, and then like the inquisitors with their helicopter instead of like a chainsaw that chases you, it's um, an inquisitor <laughs> with a helicopter lightsaber. <laughs> Even just like the cool, like frozen statues, almost Invader Immortal, that are like part of that temple there. I, yeah. I mean, that's creepy in itself. Like any anything like that, I would be like, I'm going right now. Imagine <laughs> but, hire us. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I, I feel like, um, yeah, I just thought that this. I liked the design of this. I also like. I almost breathed like an air of fresh air to get on. Uh, I know that we've been on separate planets, but I really liked being on this one that was like green, that felt like it was lived in. And the other two that we have felt really barren, felt like moons almost. And the this one felt like oh, there was potentially life here, and now our Kaz and our crew are like interacting or honestly not because there's no one there but interacting with uh like the real world you know what i mean yeah and honestly i liked having the switch up from mandalore which has been uh very like desert aesthetic and it was fun oh, right. to, to switch into this which was not i liked the design one thing i remember thinking about is i really liked the design of the trees they had yes. almost like a um safari design or um like prairie design like they were very along like elongated at the top but they were like green and like very lush too like you would see in a place like the planet we were on i don't know i i liked coming to this planet i liked its vibe yeah. it, it almost kind of reminded me too of 
uh, like an abandoned city and like almost like Chernobyl, <laughs> um, like at, like with graffiti and like stay out and a little bit too of um, annihilation. Right. Yeah, I think that's true, actually. Ooh, I so, like that an- annihilation parallel. Yeah, I don't know. I, I liked the setting. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Right. Also, how exactly does one raise a temple? I don't know. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, how'd you do is that? There, <laughs> is there a button? Down? I like. I did enjoy how the Sith. Te- of course, the Sith temple would have a self-destruct button. <laughs> it was like <laughs> we have a hieroglyphic for self-destruct, and that's the first thing they installed. <laughs> so funny. It's really funny. <laughs> Let's talk about the characters. Let's. <laughs> Okay, welcome to part three, where we are talking about the characters, Um, kind of bringing back to your question from the last part of, you know, even as we're spiraling with all of this kind of force mythology that was that was built into this episode, how much did it really impact our characters? We didn't really see Tora and Freya a ton on this mission. I think they probably had like two lines each. (laughs) They -hmm. were really just there to get onto the planet and then be kidnapped and rescued at the end. So it really was about Kaz, Cal, Isla, and Mika. We spent the most time with Kaz. I will say that I did enjoy uh, getting to see like having this episode be mostly with Kaz because he is my favorite character in this show. So I enjoyed seeing him with like Tora and Doza and Yeager at the beginning and with Freya as well, but then just with Cal and Isla and then with CB and then by himself and then with a new character. I don't know. I liked seeing him in these different uh, setups throughout the episode because we were for the most part following him exclusively. Um, One thing that we talked about at the beginning was that it was interesting that he doesn't believe in the force. He kind of says it not flippantly, but just kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't really believe in that. Even though he heard Isla's story from when they came from Tehar, which was kind of cool. And like you said, I'm pretty sure we see him – we hear him say, may the force be with you in the first season. I could be wrong about that. I don't I feel like they do. remember. I feel like they do. Like he probably does. Yeah. Yeah. I. It was a really interesting kind of revelation about Kaz because we – the people that we hear say things like that are people like – Han Solo. Uh, yeah, like Han Solo, the Mandalorian says so much. Um, who, who is it? It's Jin or Cassian says it in Rogue One, and they're very like tough people, whereas Kaz is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he, he, I don't know. It, it it makes me think of like what his upbringing was like with his father, because his father was definitely alive in Second Trilogy time. Mm-hmm. So he would have been around at the time of, you know, the Jedi on Coruscant. And so what has he been told? Um, there's, I guess there's not a Jedi temple on Hosnian Prime. <laughs> there wasn't anyway. Uh, I don't know. I think it's really interesting how people decide if they are or are not believers of the Force. And we haven't really seen a whole lot of that in Star Wars. People just telling us whether or not they believe. And I think like Han presumably like the Mandalorian and like Kaz will see a change. And that goes back to what you were saying in the other part too, about how will this episode, uh, like this episode should not just be a footnote for the rise of Skywalker, but hopefully, and that scene at the end gives me hope that we'll see Kaz start to understand more about the force, have more exposure to it, like actual exposure to it. And that it'll, it'll be meaningful to him by the end of the series. Yeah, I agree. I think that, 
in this instance, we have a character who hasn't been given any sort of reason to believe in the Force. And I don't think that he's he's touched it at all. I don't think that in his life as on Hosnian Prime at all, there's ever been any sort of situation that he would be have to be present with the idea of, do I believe in the Force or do I not? Because like what we just talked about, I think history has done such a good job of kind of brushing all this under the rug with the Jedi and everything. And I think every time we get a character who doesn't believe in the Force, it's always refreshing almost to get this journey of a character who doesn't believe, who will be forced to believe or come to an experience where he does believe. And I think that after this episode, I think it's safe to say that he does believe in the mysticism of the Force. And I always, I was like that, but I I can't wait to see how much more he believes into it because there has to be an experience beyond this that will affect him personally, I think, that will allow him to like fully believe that this is like a mystical energy force, et cetera, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited to see what Kaz's actual journey is. Does Kaz have the force? No, no, I don't think Kaz has the force. But I do <laughs> think that it at this point, I don't like it's it's interesting because I just feel like are we ever gonna get a Star Wars story that doesn't like come up against the force? I think the answer is no. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, that's what we were talking about at the top of the show. It's like we like Rogue One could have been that. It wasn't. Uh, We thought the Mandalorian was going to be that. It wasn't. We thought Resistance was going to be that. And it wasn't. So they all have different levels, just like we all have the force within us, but access it in different ways. Um, These shows tap into the force in different ways, too. So, I mean, for you and I. That's really reassuring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what we love most in Star Wars. So I, it makes me excited. I don't know. I like. Is Isla going to be the one that's teaching Kaz about the Force? I mean, I would love to have another, like, a calmer conversation between Mika and Kaz at some point in the next couple of episodes about what because she she knows that the supreme leader is after these things she knows about these artifacts what does she know about the supreme leader like she's pretty old herself so does she know something about snoke that we haven't been told yet um does she know about him as a force user what is she gonna tell kaz about this whole thing that he's found himself in this whole situation about the resistance if she is involved in it or if she isn't you know she Mika presumably saw the Clone Wars, knows about them. She's obviously a historian on some level. So she, like, watches time just like Matt, uh, Matt's Kanata does. I don't know. It'd be really interesting to see what specifically they choose to have her tell either the Colossus crew or Kaz himself. Well, now that she's part of the crew and she, on the Colossus. Like, is she going to stay? I don't know. The way that Elia... I, can't, well, I don't know why I can't say her name. Sorry, guys. The child. <laughs> the, ch- the child. <laughs> the she, child. The way that she like kind of grabs her hand and is like, you're going to love it, like makes me think that, no, she's there for a long time or there to stay for at least a little bit in in the form of I think that she's going to like affect the plot of the story. I Now just like thinking about it, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the Resistance mission is uh, from the Colossus is – um, kind of combating what's to come with uh, like learning that the First Order is after this. And then I wonder like where does Tam fit into all of this? And um, 
I don't know, because we are getting Kylo Ren soon. That's the thing that like I keep coming back to is that like this is definitely is not the end of us seeing force users or the force at work or anything like that. Because I think what Kylo Ren wants at this point after The Last Jedi besides um <laughs> I don't know, he's like, you know, sad boy. I don't know what I don't know what he wants. I think that's like <laughs> the major question of the rise of Skywalker. But like I I just have to wonder that, like, I, I think that he's probably going to lean very hard into the evil and whatever he's inherited from Snoke or whatever direct order he's getting from Palpatine. I don't know. No one knows. Right. But it's <sighs> it's it's going to be interesting when we see him, because I think that that's like the key to us understanding, like, where he's going to be in The Rise of Skywalker. And then if we're going to see him, what does that mean for our characters and the resistance? And because right now I just I, I just keep going back to this, like we're floating in resistance. What is our story here? Where are we going? I think that with the first season, it was clear that we were building up to this one point of The Force Awakens when Hosnian Prime explodes. But right now I'm like, what are we doing? Because we do see that in that timeline that uh, Kathy Kennedy presented at D23, it goes all the way to like resistance starts in the beginning of the of like before The Force Awakens and ends right at the rise of Skywalker. So are we going straight up to that? And does that mean that our characters are going to be involved in in more with like almost directly with the conflict that we're going to see almost probably settled in the beginning of uh, uh, Act One of the Rise of Skywalker? How it, how are those things going to interact, and what does it mean for our characters? Because right now we're presented with this this uh, I I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just surprised that Kaz now had this learning moment of the Force, and Mika is now introduced into the story as this like balancing figure her name is literally gray between like whatever is happening with the jedi and the sith in the past and how we're going to carry forward i don't know yeah and she's this new point of contact for them i don't know it is it is really interesting i can't wait to see what like what she does (laughs) where she tell like is she going to be the person that's controlling the colossus now no no. No, but she, I mean, if she is working for the resistance, she could be. Yeah, like, what is her link? Like, yeah, exactly. She is like of Doza's age, like around there, maybe older than him. So she's been around for the Empire too. I'm just like, ah, these timelines. <laughs> it's not very often that we have characters that are – like her, like we don't see a ton of elderly characters no. in Star Wars, so it's pretty unique to have one that is, um, you know, active and mm-hmm. doing stuff and like jumping around. Really, like the next oldest character that we really have is like Loris Anteca, and he's like one of my favorite side characters of Star Wars because of the way that he talks about history and the things that have come before and, and how that will predict the future. And Mika kind of seems in that vein too. So what I thought was interesting about Mika is that she was not interested in the artifact once it had been used. And again, like the same way that this temple has a self-destruct button, I like how it's like sacred artifact can, is like one and done. It's single use. <laughs> um, it cannot be used again. It's not reusable or recyclable. <laughs> recyclable. Um, so I thought that was really fascinating that she – because like 
archaeologists, obviously, like you study every piece of an artifact, um, no matter what stage it's in uh, or how intact it is. It always has something to tell you, something more that you can glean from it. I think most like researchers feel that way about artifacts and like art and things like that. Um, And I thought it was really cool. Not cool. I was just kind of like question mark of how she was just immediately done with it and how maybe she isn't necessarily an archaeologist, but she is someone who is just like, that's why I kind of think she, maybe she's already with the resistance. If her mission is solely to keep these things that have not been used yet out of first order hands. Once it's used though, you don't need it anymore. Right. Cause she's not studying it to know about the Sith she's using it so that it or she's taking it so that it's not in first order hands there's a difference yeah i don't know much to think about (laughs) yeah and wow i've said this 37 times but i hope that next episode we see tam please please because that conflict i'm sorry i thought was the heart of the show given the poster and everything that was advertised and for me the first episode did such a good idea like a good a good job of showing the dichotomy between these two characters and these two lives, like lives and everything like that. And I want to, I want us to come back to that, but maybe this will be the great equalizer between them. Not the equalizer, but like the catalyst that brings them back together is that perhaps she, you know, I don't know. Speculating this is so tough because I really have no idea where it's going to go. But like the mm-hmm. idea that like the First Order collectively, not just the Relic Troopers, are going after artifacts for Supreme Leader Snoke or Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. And now the Colossus is interested in in helping with that, too, since they're sort of floating around in space, not really knowing what to do and kind of undefined by the resistance at this point. And I wonder if this will be like something that really does bring them together because there's like a little bit of a common interest happening when there wasn't a common interest before. It was more of a first order. Where's the Colossus? Let me track it down type thing, which I think yeah. is fine. But at this point, it's like, OK, the first order here. Let's jump to hyperspace. The first order here. Let's jump to hyperspace. Like, what's the what's the catalyst? What's the what's the MacGuffin, honestly? <laughs> because like, what are we building to that will bring them together because that's what's I think the heart of the show. Yeah. We're just stalling right now. Right. Like the Colossus is literally stalling in <laughs> the middle of space. And uh, that's, I mean, that's what we've been saying. It's like, there's no, there's no indication that the Colossus itself has a plan. And that's kind of frustrating. I think when we are going on so many supply runs, but I mean, the first order obviously knows who Miku Gray is. So if, like Tam's ship, like Tyranny, finds out that Mika Gray is on the Colossus, then that's even more of a reason to continue their pursuit of the Colossus. So I hope it does bring them back together. I like don't feel super hopeful right now because I've been hopeful for almost a month at this point <laughs> and we haven't returned back to that story. But like you, I definitely thought that was going to be the central thing. And now we're like 25% done with the season, more or less. And it hasn't been. And that has been a disappointment, honestly. So I'm hoping that it really does come back front and center uh, because that is the heart of the show. And Kaz and Tam still have a lot to work out with each other. And that needs adequate screen time. Yeah. 
Regardless, I really did enjoy this episode, and it mm-hmm. was like a breath of fresh air for me in terms of my interests in the Star Wars canon and lore and everything like that. And obviously, it sent us spiraling, <laughs> which yeah. is always a good thing. It's always fun. So I, I liked this episode, and I hope that we continue in this direction because it's, to me, now the most interesting thing. And now I can't wait until next Sunday. Yes. same. For all the critiques, I continue to enjoy Resistance a lot. I laugh out loud more with Resistance than I have with any other Star Wars uh, adventure or story that we've had. And uh, I love this show. So having like clumsy Kaz plus crazy force stuff, give me more of that. (laughs) Very good. So yeah, so I will definitely take more of it. And maybe next week, if Mika is teaching Isla things about the Force, we'll have Clumsy Kaz weird Force stuff on the Colossus, which will just be like a triple threat in my book. So I am looking forward to that, hopefully. But I think that is going to wrap up this week's episode of Resistance. I hope you have been enjoying the slew of TV content that Skytalkers has been hurling your way uh, (laughs) this week. It will not stop anytime soon. Um, So if you want to tell us, like, what has been your favorite episode of everything that comes out has come out in the past week? You should find us on Twitter and tell us. Our uh, Twitter handle is at SkytalkersPod. Uh, I've said this on a couple episodes, but we probably will be not deactivating, but just logging off of Twitter at some point as we get closer to the rise of Skywalker. Don't know when that is, but it probably will happen. But we are active there right now. So we are on Skytalkers Pod, and then our personal handles are at Caitlin Plusher and at Clarity. We also have our website, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search Skytalkers, and you'll find us wherever you want to find us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go and give us a review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us and helps other people join in the conversation with us here. And if you want other ways to support us, you can also check out our Patreon. Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons, Joey, Jason, Marty, Spencer, Kathy, Gee, Jenna, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Shelbo, James, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Bradley, Debo, Irina, Edith, Jacqueline, Rachel, Lady Vader, John, Kevin, Ian, Roz, Lakshana, Candice, Ewan, Tom, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, Jalea, Matthew, Captain Britton, Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, I, Rebel, Kimberly, Vundacost Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Sintara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpararoo, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Aliyah, Travis, Katie, Alyssa, Rebecca, Delaney, Angela, Allie, Natalia, Daz, Serene, Shireen, Molly, Amy, Jared, Claire, Brad, Caitlin, Rebecca, Helly, Scott, BJ, Casey, Lauren, Tom, Kirsty, The Clashing Sabres Podcast, and Chuck. Thank you all so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.